Hi, and welcome to Walking Backwards. I'm Brad Grement. I'm a Steadicam operator and camera operator in the film business for 20 years now. And a few years ago, I had an idea to do a podcast about Steadicam, and I've finally gotten around to doing it. So this is it. Um, our first episode is Josh Harrison. He and I had a really nice chat. Um, Josh is a very old friend of mine. Um, I've known him the whole time I've been in the business and, um, he's just a great guy and I knew we'd have a great conversation. I, I wrote all these questions. I was nervous. It was my first one. And as you'll hear, um, Josh can hold his own in the talking department as can I. So <laughs> I didn't ask too many questions, but, um, but we had a great chat and, um, I hope you enjoy it. So Josh, welcome. Uh, thank you. Uh, let's see, we've known each other how many years now? I started in the business in 98 in Orlando. So then the, probably that long. Since 98-ish. Yeah. yeah. You started in the business? 95 was my first, yeah, 95. 95. How old were you? Mm, let's see, I would have been 25-ish. 25, right. So you started, did you do anything else or did you start as a second? Because I know you were an assistant for... Uh, technically, I started as a camera loader. I actually even... Oh, you started a loader. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah of yeah. course. Um, That's how long we've been not doing film. Yeah, I forgot about loaders. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, started off... Actually, basically, uh, like my, my first day in the business was a PA, and I spent my entire day sucking up to the uh, first AC, Richard Lacey. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. I know him from way... I, yeah. I believe I do. It's been that long, I'm not sure if I know him or not. Yeah, he's a character, but really cool guy, and uh, obviously um, um, had a lot to do with my early career. Yeah, he moved you. He he kept you as a loader for a long time. You did some big stuff down there too. You were li were you you were living in Orlando, correct? Or? Yes, I was living in Orlando. I actually graduated full sail uh, in ninety. Was it ninety four or ninety five? I think I graduated in ninety five and started working right out right out the bat. Yeah. Right. And, uh, yeah, so you were a loader for a long time, and I know you were a second and mm -hmm. the first. And, but you did some, like, really cool. Yeah. Um, Didn't you do From the Earth to the Moon? Some From the Earth to the Moon. Uh, we worked on uh, Space Cowboys, uh, Contact. Um, there was a TV show called Mortal Kombat, uh, Sheena. I was around for Sheena. Yeah. I remember that. Did you work on that? It was very early. I think I did a couple of PA days on it cool. in the office or something. Mm -hmm. and it would have been 99, 98, 99. Yeah, yeah. You, right? me you remember who our main PA was? Was Cleve Frank. You remember, you remember him? Oh, I remember Cleve yeah, Frank. Yeah, Cleve's living in New York. Or not New York. California now. Northern, right? Yeah. yeah. I see his Facebook, his Facebook stuff. We haven't had contact in a long time. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, I worked with Cleve quite a few times. Yeah. Um, so, right. So... Gosh, who did From the Earth to the Moon? Because I remember – who was the Steadicam operator on it? Uh, Bill Brummond did, I think, believe most of it. Oh, really? Neil Norton did a good chunk of it, I believe. And was there somebody else? What? I mostly remember okay, maybe Bill I'm, Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm mixing stories here because uh. <clears throat> I thought – Somebody got like the first pro arm while on that job. It could have been Bill. Uh, Bill had. Could it have been? Okay. Bill had quite an extensive amount of uh, gear at the time. In fact, he was, you know, running, uh, rocking two master sleds. Um, honestly, uh, I'm not sure I was even paying enough attention at the time. I was just second AC. And so. You were pretty new? Yeah, keeping, you know, I had my own problems. He had his own, I'm sure. But uh, he could have had a master series arm. I mean, sorry, pro arm. Oh, okay. Huh. I just remembered hearing it getting delivered. It must be something else that I'm thinking of. It, it, I, was yeah. there another? Dang it. Maybe it was contact. It could have been Neil, too, because Neil yeah. had uh, an early pro, I believe. Right. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So, But, uh, well, you kind of answered the question already. I was going to ask you where any of these early people you worked with was that an influence in you wanting to get into Steadicam or was that was that before you were an assistant or or before you even went to full sale or when was it? Into Steadicam? Yeah. Well 
it gets complicated because I actually never really intended to do Steadicam. I was more interested in operating the camera. And uh, if I felt like it was a good vehicle to become a good camera operator was also to be prolific at that and Steadicam. Um, yeah, in fact, Neil Norton, I believe, one time told me – or I think he was slightly encouraging me to buy his old uh, Model 3 – and uh, at the time, I wasn't even really interested, uh, mostly due to money, probably. Right. When would that have been? That would have been on From the Earth to the Moon, actually. Uh, really? That would have been 97. Are you regretful that you didn't buy it then or happy? <laughs> um, everybody's path takes a different uh, road. And mine uh, took 12 years as a camera assistant, and I don't regret any of it. Uh, I feel like I learned – a lot through doing uh, camera assisting. Yeah, well, one thing, I was never an assistant. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've loaded mags and blah, 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 and, you know, I could fake it for a minute. Sure. But I've never really done it. Um, And one thing you definitely get through assisting is you get contacts galore. Right? Am I? Yeah, I feel like. Uh, well, I learned. I, or, I, I, I got to know quite a few people in the uh, California world, the LA world, through meeting them out in Orlando. So, yeah, I feel like uh, when I got out here in Los Angeles, um, I knew a fair amount of people. Yeah, that's that's something I really. <laughs> I found out when I moved out here. I moved here in '02. Mm-hmm. You were also '02, but I imagine you were earlier than me because I don't think I landed till like October. Okay, and we both left when the business kind of went away after 9/11, unfortunately. Like a lot of us uh, from yeah. Florida, everybody kind of bailed. I think I was pretty. I think I was one of the early ones. You were for sure because uh, I think uh, even I was like early-ish, but uh, and there were many other. Folks eventually left. Yeah. There are, yeah, so many people I know from back in the day there uh, that are here now. But um, uh, when, when, I, when I moved here, what I found was like I had met a bunch of DPs and worked with good people through working on commercials. But because I did, as you know, props for a while, I was a PA for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and then shooting, it's my story is different than yours. And I think everybody's is a little bit different. But I had a lot of trouble with contacts. Right. Because people think, might have – sorry, go ahead. I, I think we all do. I mean uh, I, somebody uh, – a buddy of mine, Craig, asked me recently – not recently, a couple years ago. He's like, how do you meet new DPs? I'm like, I don't know. When you when you figure it out, let me know. I've, I've got the same answer. Yeah. No clue. Yeah. Um, I, I, I actually tried sending – many years ago – Tried sending like emails. I went through the, like the union book and tried sending emails to everybody who had fun listed. Yeah, I, I got some not very nice responses. Oh, really? So yeah, people responded in, in negatively. Yes, interesting. A few people, not that many. I got. I don't know how many emails I sent. I got one. Let's have coffee. Oh, and I got multiple. Don't email me. Interesting. Well, I got one guy who was pissed off that it was like I'd sent it to like four people at a time. Uh huh. Oh, so he saw the BCCs and I guess I didn't or, or BCC BC- it right or, or whatever. He and he he saw that it was right. not just to him. Uh huh. And he was very offended. Uh interesting. Um. And the funny part is, I had I had um, I had kind of personalized his because an assistant that I had done a movie with spoke very highly of this person. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned that, but he didn't. Anyway, sorry, but w- about you. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, uh, so when you moved out here, you knew a handful of people. Yeah. Again, back to Richard Lacey. Uh, Richard was super kind to me, gave me um, a lot of my early jobs out here. And uh, But you were still assisting when you came out. Correct. I was uh, transitioning between second and first. I was going to say, it was just, Okay. And uh, I landed out here and uh, basically started firsting. I mean, I, I was I was firsting back in Orlando, but it was both. I was doing first and second. And then when I got out here, I kind of just firsted a couple couple little second jobs, but mostly firsting. And then I did that until uh, 07 when I uh, permanently moved up to um, Steadicam slash camera. 
yeah. operating. And uh, yeah, I bought my Steadicam off of um, a good buddy of mine, Rich Davis, in 05. And I remember. I, yeah. Spent a couple years kind of doing... In fact, I believe you gave me one of my earliest jobs. Um, my earliest paid jobs was... Uh, Did I? Yeah. Believe it or not, that was a day, but um, uh, it was with uh, one of the Baldwins. Is that that was you, right? Could have been. <laughs> it was an interesting day. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad. I mean, you know, I'm I'm always up to. Try to help people if I can. Yeah, you did. Uh, I, I need was, enough help. I think I, I, I literally just had the Steadicam like maybe a few weeks or a month at the time when you uh, uh, when you when you gave me that. It was a day of a super low budge movie, but yeah, it's the kind of thing that you're looking for when you're in that. Uh, you know, yeah. Any days in the rig are good days at that point. Pretty much figuring it out. Yeah, and I remember I came in and did B camera for you on what was that movie? The blonde girl. The blonde girl. Uh, it was a girl whose sister was very famous. She was. Oh, famous. right. Legacy. Uh, Does that sound right? Uh, Haley. Uh, oh, gosh. We're going to sound like idiots here. Boy, we do sound like idiots. <laughs> but that's okay. It doesn't matter what I remember most of that. About Hillary the and Haley, right? Oh, yeah. Duff. Something like that. Duff. Yes. Thank you. Yes. yes. Was that was that the one? Yes, that was the one. Okay. And wasn't Tom Green in that movie? Yes. Tom Green was I there. I remember a day with Tom Green. Yeah, that was fun. <clears throat> um, but I, I remember I remember I almost had – I had a gaffer that wanted to fight me. Yeah. That was a, that was a really weird movie. And, and, uh, and a grip that wanted to fight me. Because he hung a he hung a four by floppy over my head outdoors in windy conditions, and I looked at it and it was Lefty Lucy over yeah. my head, yeah. and I politely asked him to change. <laughs> yeah, I, I vaguely remember that. Well, it was super windy. And the, the grips wanted to kill me. Yeah, that was a really windy night. We ended up having a balloon issue, if you recall right. Part of it with the guy they were yeah. tying it to the fence, and yeah. the, I was on that twelve step mm. on top of the twelve step, and the 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 line from the balloon almost yanked me off the yeah. ladder, and that's why I got. That was one. Of, <laughs> that was one of my earlier Steadicam jobs too. I mean, I, I yeah, you were pretty pretty green. Yeah, um, you did. A, I remember you did a good job though. I remember you being a little um, apprehensive, as we all are. Like, but I remember watching this stuff, and it was very good. No, thanks, man. Uh, I, I mean, don't better I, than I, my I, stuff. I can't. Im- <laughs> well, I can't imagine if I watched the movie now, I would feel good about it, but. Uh, yeah, but you know what? There's something to be said for a movie that's a good movie. Uh-huh. Your shots become better. I've done a bunch of bad movies, uh-huh. as you have. Right. Oh, well. I'm not judging, but <laughs> my entire career. No. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, interestingly enough, uh, maybe six, seven, eight years ago, I'm in uh, Louisiana doing a movie, and they they rented me a uh, an apartment. They didn't, instead of getting me a hotel, they rented me an apartment. And this apartment was sort of lived in, but not really. They, you know, somebody occupied it part of the year or whatever. And uh, there was maybe a dozen movies that somebody had left behind that you could pop in. And one of them was that movie. Get out of here. I'm not kidding. And it was the weirdest thing ever because I was like, I've literally never seen this movie available for sale anywhere. Uh, and the, the fact that it was on somebody's shelf, I was just, I stared at it for maybe a day or two. I was like, I can't believe this thing's even on. That's there. so funny. Did you watch it? I fast forwarded through the entire thing. <laughs> What'd you think? Uh, you fast forward. It was amazing at six times speed. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, was it not someone connected to production in some way? I mean, did it ever occur to you that's how you, that's how they had it? No, there's no way that this place really because this is in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I can't imagine these people. I mean, maybe, but it seems unlikely that that it does they, seem unlikely. That's uh, funny. It it was it was truly a surreal moment, there, and I've had you know a number of them, but that was that was one of the weirder ones. Like I can't believe this movie's on the shelf here. There's only maybe a dozen. That's funny. Well, but back back to back to what got a, got a sidetrack there. Um, a, a, a an average or decent or whatever shot in a really good movie. Do you think it makes a difference? I mean, 
We're at the point where we view movies in a different way than when we were starting our careers. At least I'm speaking for myself. I think you agree. Sure. I used to be super hypercritical about everything. Right. And and now I just watch a movie and say it was good or bad. And then I can evaluate later if I would like to about, you know, this or that. Like like most people, I think we're we're only uh, acutely aware of whether the – Operating is good or whether the sound is good when it's bad. Um, uh, or I would say that's like, stands out like a 90% rule, right? Obviously, sure. there's a couple of shots out there that, you, that I've, you know, contact is one of them where uh, the up the stairs shot that ends up in the mirror where I literally, I think I stood up in the theater. I mean, not literally, but I was like, what just happened here? What, why did I, weren't we just on the other side of, the, you know what shot I'm talking about, right? It's been a while. Okay. Yeah. There's this amazing Steadicam shot that comes up the stairs, and uh, it's leading uh, the young uh, Jodie Foster character. And as she reaches out, uh, it's cut to uh, – and it's not even a cut. It, it's They digitally match-moved it to a medicine cabinet where she's opening it. Mm-hmm. So you're actually inside the mirror. Okay. And so uh, I'd, uh, trust me. Watch this shot. But uh, very few shots actually, uh, and, and by design, they shouldn't really call themselves uh, attention to themselves. I feel like uh, anytime you see a shot that you don't, you start evaluating on a technical basis, you're probably uh, you're probably pushed out of the movie. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I'm reminded of a <clears throat> of a DP years ago who said to me, or I read it or something. I you know. I picked it up somewhere. He said, "If you, if you're paying attention to the cin- cinematography, they've done it wrong." Right, and I feel like that's the same with camera operating, and same with. Uh... Well, I agree with you, but the point I was making before is that mm. when you're starting your career and you're learning all this stuff, and you're like learning what good horizons look like, right, and learning how to do a whip pan, and just you get my point. You're hypercritical. Absolutely. Of, like you're looking for it, right. so you're not watching the movie. Right, you're watching the Steadicam and the movies happening around it. Yeah, even if there's not much Steadicam. Right. Are, are you talking just... about stuff that I've done or stuff that no? Other people I'm, have done? I'm just talking about a, yeah. any movie you go to see. I still do that, and I'm sure you still do that. As I well. don't. No, really, I really don't. Lucky you. I really don't. <laughs> now, now again, no, I'm more like a normal viewer where oh. where if it if it's bad, it stands out. Right. Just like anything else in the movie, it will stand out to me. Man, I see a window. I see a shiny thing. I'm immediately looking for a reflection. I'm immediately looking for a shadow. And I wish mm. I wish I wasn't. I think that's kind of a job hazard is uh, I notice those things right away. I used to be so hardcore. Mm. I probably still notice them way faster than the general public. But I made a conscious decision maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago or longer mm-hmm. maybe that – I was going to watch movies based on their merit and not on... I wish I could follow that same rule. That's there's, so funny. There's but many... you love other movies for other things, so oh, I don't absolutely. know. Yeah. No, there's there's movies. I feel like, and this is a... I think most people agree. If you're sucked into the movie, you're going to start ignoring some of the technical flaws. If you start to if get... If they're not egregious, sure. Yeah, yeah of and, course. And right? only, only when you lose... When the story loses you or the acting loses you or the writing loses you, you start to really pay attention to the technical minutiae. Right. Because uh, it's all you can pay attention to. Yeah, exactly. It's the movie's exactly. crap. <laughs> At that point, if you if, – if, you know, so the, everybody always likes to say if they're not – if they're not – if they're paying attention to this, we're doing our job wrong, which is correct. If they're – if, if uh, continuity is a little off but we are telling an amazing story, nobody's going to care. If uh, the horizon on a whip pan is a little off, uh, but the story is super engaging, nobody's going to care. And that's uh, that's a harsh reality for us technicians, but it's the truth. Well, yeah, but having said that, what you said earlier is also true. If it stands out, it right. stands out. No, yeah, there's also – there's just but, bad. But smaller but, – but little things can be forgiven. Right. And also, speaking of forgiven, in my – I'll be I'll be I'll be brutally honest with myself here and tell you something. Mm-hmm. So, um, when I first saw "There Will Be Blood," mm-hmm. um, this was when I was still critical 
about every Steadicam shot I saw, right? Sure. <clears throat> and there's these amazing Steadicam shots outdoors by that. The oil derrick. Th- exactly yeah. right. Yeah. You remember all those scenes. Oh, yeah. And having come to find out later, the thing caught on fire by accident, and they shot all that stuff, like, I believe, like, one take for everything. Really? Yeah, because the no, thing started burning. They couldn't get it out because yeah. the wind or something. Right. And it went up. And so they just had to shoot whatever the hell they could as fast as they could. So a lot of that stuff is one take only type stuff. But Which anyway, is probably I'm, the best kind of filmmaking, to be honest. I'm sure at the time it was hellish. Well, I'm sure it was terrible, but... But when you see it later, you're yeah. just like, how cool, because there was real energy there. Right. right. And he was amazing, so I remember that scene. Everything's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. They're all amazing. Sure. <clears throat> and and Colin Anderson, who did the movie, is amazing. But but no, it didn't stop me from, <laughs> from being critical. Uh-huh. You know, you're like, oh, and then you think about it later and you get further along in your career and you go, you know, there's always that time where you do take two and they say moving on, but that gust of wind had hit you. Right. And you're like, everything was good until the gust of wind, but is this where I take my stand and say I want another take? Right. You know? And that's a, that's a uh, good topic to have, by the way. I, I love the I'd like another one for me thing because some of the times it does not work out for you. <laughs> That's for sure, right? You like oh, it I, can go very against you. Oh yeah, I've, I've, I'm sure you've at least, at least I hope you've been in the situation I've been in, where you're like, I'd like another one, and it's worse than the last one, and then oh. That's not what I was thinking of, uh-huh. but yes, that's an, that's a real possibility, too, right? For sure. And then suddenly you're like seven more takes into this thing because you asked for another one, and they were perfectly content to move on. Whether you were right or wrong, I don't know, because uh, you know, technically speaking, we have to still try and turn in our best work. Yeah. But sometimes our best work is going to be completely ignored for uh, performance. And and a bunch of times it'll be so cut up anyway. Right. Uh, yeah. Earlier in my career, I would do that a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that was more feature stuff, like lower budget feature stuff. And then as I moved more into TV, I realized, like, you need to be very careful about when to ask for that. And, sure. Um, I mean, you, you can make people pretty upset, but truth be told, most people – are respectful when you say it like another. Not everybody, but most people, I'd say 90% of the time, if I say I need another one, I'm going to get another one. Well, part of that has to do with your relationship with sure. who you're working with. I mean, if you've been on a show for three months and right. then you ask for another one, right. they're going to give it to you. But, yeah. No, I mean, the the, the experienced and really great directors, I find even if – they do not want another one. They say, well, look, I I know it would be perfect in a perfect world, but I got to go and I'm sorry. You know, I trust you and I like the other one, though. Right. You know what I mean? They're like, yeah, no, I mean, they talk to you like an artist. Right. It's, that's they talk true. to you the same way they would speak. To and an I've actor. seen them turn actors down for another one. Of course. Yeah. So of course. And they come up and the first thing they do is compliment them. Right. But I love that one so much, and unfortunately, we don't have the time to do another one. But thankfully, right. I love that one. So, yeah, good belief for you. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, if you get turned down, that's one thing. But if the actor gets turned down, obviously, there's, it's a much bigger uh, deal. I mean, like a director can turn us down all day long, but the when they when they neg- neglect to give an actor another take, it's usually a if they upset someone, it's, sure. it's it's a it's a bigger person to upset. Sure, is what you mean, yeah. right? Um, that's true. I think um, I think I think good directors use their. I don't know where I'm going with this, but uh, anyway, I've seen it happen on 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 both sides sure. to myself and to others, right? <laughs> but it depends on if the actor's frankly an asshole or not, right? I mean, you know, or how large their ego is, even if they're not an asshole. If they're, you know. And how many times have we wanted to move on? Because we nailed it technically. <laughs> but uh, for some reason, something wasn't working for the director or the actor. It is a funny, I won't call it a double standard because it's kind of a single standard. <laughs> yeah. We have to be perfect when they are. Right. And that's true with all technicians. They don't have to not be. Not just us, obviously. No, that's true. So, Josh. I've 
asked you one question. Oh, Jesus. I wrote, I don't know, give or take 40. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you all. 39 We've more We've talked to go. about a bunch of stuff, but, but I just found it funny. Like, I knew our conversation would flow because we're both conversationalists, as okay. it were. But, um, <clears throat> but uh, where was I going to go from here? Um, oh, I, I meant to ask you, did you ever do a workshop? I never did. You didn't. Believe it or not, I never did. I feel like, in hindsight, I should have. Um, but at the time, I felt like I'd worked with so many excellent Steadicam operators. Well, you and worked with Rich for a long time. I worked with Rich. I worked. I'm, there, there's like, I kind of worked with. I mean, obviously, there's big, big guys that I've never worked with, but I've worked with a lot of folks, and I felt like I had a handle on it. And of course, Rich is uh, uh, an excellent uh, source of information for me. I could just turn to him. And at the time, I also had my buddy Chip, who I could ask questions. And uh, you know, it's interesting you bring Chip up. I, I wasn't going to bring him up. No, you may, of course. <clears throat> but but uh, but Chip Monk, who was honestly, um. He loaned me gear mm -hmm. on my very first paid job ever. Believe it. I totally believe it. He's a he loaned me his amazing wire. guy. He was. He loaned me. And, and for, for those that don't know, Chip passed away in what year, Josh? 07. 07. Yep. A, a car crash that was really no one's fault besides the car company. Yeah. Um, it was that whole blowout tire thing and... Yeah, I guess uh, we shouldn't probably mention like names. Whatever, of it, but, but but I mean, but yes, we yeah. all know uh, in the era of uh, car rollovers. And he was, but he was coming back from work. Yeah, uh, and, actually, I think he was on his way. Okay, to on job. his way yeah. to work. You know, yeah. leaving his 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 young child uh, unborn. Actually, at the unborn time. still. Yeah, Shit. yeah. I didn't she was about six or seven months pregnant at the time. Ugh. Yeah, it's just brutal. It was, and uh, I know we've we've had those, and we're, we're not. We've even, had those cheers time. We can cheers right now. Cheers, cheers to Chip. To Let's Chip. have a drink. He was uh, an amazing, amazing friend. He was. I'll miss him forever. I know. And you guys were best friends. Mm -hmm. I was, I was uh, acquaintances. Well, yeah, I don't. I can't say we were friends, but he was always a nice guy to me. I knew him through work, yeah. really only. Yeah, and but he was kind to me when I asked him for help. And um, Chip would do just about anything to help folks out. And, yeah, uh, and there's a nice history of that. That I won't call it a Chip legacy because I think he was following on what other people hopefully did for him. Right. Which is, and especially with Steadicam to help each other out instead of being competitive. I feel like a lot of Steadicam operators, not everybody obviously, but a lot of them are, are genuinely yeah. interested in helping folks out. Yeah, I, t I, t I totally agree. Uh, there are certainly going to be exceptions, but, right. you know, I remember when one operator left his docking bracket at home. He was day playing on a TV show, left his docking bracket at home, posted something on the Steadicam forum online. Mm -hmm. And within 45 minutes, somebody was on the way to his stage at Warner Brothers with a docking bracket yeah. to let him borrow for the day. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, we've – you know how it goes. Everybody needs a helping hand once in a while, whether it's um, – Yeah, just the intricacy of the gear and right. and this and that can break and, you know, or unexpected things come up. But yeah, it's just – unless you have three backups of everything – it's just going to happen once in a while. Yeah, which very few folks do anymore. They certainly did in the early days of Steadicam. You'd see people with multiple sleds um, and multiple even arms. I knew a – who was it? Uh, well, especially it, during the 3A days, they all had – I knew a guy who had bought two pro arms, which uh, is taking it a, 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 an extra – that's taking it the distance. I get it. But uh, certainly uh, few folks would – Spend that extra dough. Well, I guess have you have to think about is the extra, what's a pro arm now, 20,000? 24? 24. Ish. Whatever, you know, is the extra 24,000 sitting in a case? Is that working the best for you, or right, is right. it better in well, a it bank account? On, I don't it, know. It depends you know? on who you are, I suppose. Yeah. If you're, yeah, yeah, if yeah. you're, uh, no. But obviously, he decided that yeah. that was he wasn't willing to risk something, right? Going, yeah, I mean, I get it. It seems it seems ridiculous, obviously. Nowadays, it would seem a little excessive, but yeah. back then, I guess, I, you know how it was. It really pounded in the earlier Steadicam operators to have backup, 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 backup. backup, backup. Yeah. yeah, I mean, how many extra cables did we? I used to buy three cables. Yeah, exactly. Any anytime I got a cable, I got three. Yeah. 
and you know, and at 150 bucks or 200 bucks a pop, like yep. <laughs> a new camera, a new camera could be like 500 dollars worth of uh, of power cables. Oh yeah, yeah, just to, just to have the power. Well, there was the run stop, right? And then yeah, then the power, right? And that was about it. I yeah, mean, for for a new film camera, for a new run film st- camera, run yeah. stop and power was it. Nowadays, uh, I mean, I don't know if you do this, but I don't even carry run stops anymore, pretty much. No, I still have them all. Do you? Um, For all the different cameras that you use? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I I just push the button now. (laughs) So much cheaper. It's true. And, I mean, well, you're rolling video, so it doesn't – you don't have to be as – as Precise. Well, the problem of pushing it is not at the beginning. It's at the end. In what way do you mean? Well, so I've been in a situation where I was on a job with a 435, a commercial. <clears throat> Excuse me. Something went wrong. I don't know. The run stops wouldn't work. So it was a button push situation. Uh-huh. Well, so I said, no, I'll push it because when the assistant pushed it, the whole camp, it was like, it was like he was punching me in the face. Like <laughs> he pushed it so hard, right. the thing went, you know, 30 sure. degrees. So, but anyway, I said, no, no, no don't worry. I'll, I'll push the button. So I would hit the button. And we're rolling 90 frames or something. Oh, yeah. And, well, which is fine, but, like, I was ready even after I pushed the button and we would slate. But at the end of the take, I I would forget. And the assistant comes running up after to hit the button. And you've rolled through a lot of film, you know. and Less of a problem now than it would have been in the film days. Well, now sure. nobody yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. Now we, you just roll we'll while you're waiting. turn the camera waiting. on at 240 frames and just let it roll. Right. Yeah. I mean... Especially now with, like, what they're going to be doing, AK. It's like, how many terabytes are we? <laughs> so different. But. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. But let's not get into <laughs> Yeah. Let's not get into case. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, cheers to Chip. And cheers to that spirit of the, of the Steadicam operator that's very um, just open, <clears throat> excuse me, not threatened or intimidated by competition. Right. Like open to the idea of other kind of collaborators and people to bounce things off of, and also, also um, um, learn from. And yeah. you know, you throw jobs to people you trust; they throw jobs back to you. It's a very collaborative kind of ecosystem of people. It, it, I think it's become way less so. Yeah, but. it's fascinating because uh, in many ways, uh, all of us are competitors, and yet, for the most part, mo- most of us are friends as well. And uh, you want to help, genuinely help out your competitor. You want, which is also your friend, and you want to you you want to give them good advice. You want to give them solid advice. You want to give them uh, every bit of uh, help you can give them. Whether it's like I'll bring you a plate that you're missing or mm-hmm. whatever. So yeah, it's fascinating because uh, unlike other businesses, it's very small. There's there's relatively few. Steady camera operators out there, and we all want to help each other. Yeah, especially and there's always like a young crowd coming up. Always. So there's always new guys. Yeah, we we for, were the new guys at some point, and of course now we're not. And, and there's definitely a lot of new folks out there that are looking to learn, looking for somebody to give them the info, just yeah. like a sponge. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe six years ago, I remember one of the new guys saying, "Like, uh, I want your job," which is hilarious to me because I was like, "I I haven't even arrived yet." But uh, he felt like I had arrived and wanted my job. I was like, <laughs> "Wait, who said this to you?" Uh, I think it was was it what what position? It was another operator. No, it was or? another Steadicam operator. But he was one of the new guys coming in. He, oh, mm-hmm. and he wanted to have. And the, you were on what a half hour comedy? I was at the probably time? on a half hour comedy at the time. Right. And he was like, "I want that job." I'm like, "Well, cool," but uh, I don't feel like I've arrived yet, and I still don't. Um, Me either. Yeah. Me either. Um, but I remember feeling that way. Sure. I mean, I remember moving here and feeling like, oh, my God, a day on a network television show. Right. Unbelievable. Yeah, and we all remember our first time we did it, and right. it was amazing. And Well, then you come in and you realize it's just like any other job. Yeah, with certain – obviously, every job's different. There That's can, true. You can have a, an amazing – But in a general sense, yeah. we're all just shooting stuff. For entertainment purposes, right? right? And, and in a general sense, the uh, the day pretty much goes the same way, except mm-hmm. for uh, some experience levels. That's true. And sometimes egos. 
And what I mean by that is on the low budget stuff. Yeah, people have some big fucking egos. Yeah, no, I mean on the on (laughs) on the big stuff, on the little stuff, people tend to get pretty bent about some weird stuff, and they do. It doesn't really matter what budget level you're at. You always end up with funky, funky people. (laughs) It almost seems like in the smaller ones, you do end up with bigger egos. I think in the in the camera department world, I think there's a certain level of of uh, insecurity when you're newer. Mm-hmm. And my experience has been that sometimes those guys are they're just more on edge because they're worried and they want to do their best, but they're worried. It doesn't often come off that great, but they get snappy with people and they say, "I know how to do it." If you make right. a suggestion or whatever, and and I'm sure I was kind of there at some point too. I don't, you know, I, I, I can't. I'm not a great judge of myself, but I've experienced that a bunch, and well, at least enough that I remember it. And it yeah. seems like you get to the guy that's been around a million years, and you you come across a shot that's like impossible for him, and you go like a like a first, you know, an a first, and you say, "Hey, uh, so this part I gotta, you know," and he goes, "Yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you." What do you mean? Hey, you know. We'll get it. Right. Like, that's their attitude instead of, like, you have to hit this and you have to do that. They just – they're just comfortable and calm and they understand, like – Yeah, I wonder if that's more of a um, personality thing because I've, I've met all kinds of people that feel like either something's super impossible or it's super easy. But I feel like that's almost more of a uh, personality thing as opposed to a uh, – no, it's probably both. It's probably personality and experience, yeah. I think sense. I think it is both. Here, oh, go ahead, open that beer. You won't <laughs> open it right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, no, you're right. I'm sure there's a there's personality involved in that too. But but the inexperience fact. I mean, I know when I was younger, I was. You know, I'd read so much about Steadicam, right? From from people who'd been doing it for years, and I really felt like. This is how I have to be, and I have to be very strict about this, and I have to do this, and I have to, you know. And the more experience that you get, you realize, oh, I don't have to be that crazy about everything. What I have to do is fit my square peg, if it is square, into that round hole that fits into the position of that particular job, right? Mm. And slide in with the assistant. I'm, I'm not saying I'm good at it. I just know that that's the goal. <laughs> I don't know that any of us feel good at. I mean, I I would love to meet the camera operator that thinks they're amazing. Um, I'm sure they're right. out there. Um, yeah, I think I know. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but but you know what I'm saying. Uh, I think all of us carry those insecurities and and. Uh, well, I think the difference is whether you walk into the job going, "I'm going to try to fit in with everybody." Mm-hmm. And people don't realize how important it is to fit in with the first and the second. Right. Even more than the DP. Interesting. Yeah. I, I it's it's interesting. Uh, Again, depends on the job. Yeah, but in a lot of cases, I found that the, the relationship with the assistants. And then there are some people that walk in and go, they better get along with me. Mm-hmm. Right? It's that attitude of. Yeah. Um, I found myself uh, the last few years in with a crew that um, – had been together for many years. Uh, they were uh, very well. What show? Do you want to say what show it was? Uh, it was both uh, Angie Tribeca uh, and then ended up being Great News. And then oh, okay. So these guys have been together since Parks and Rec. And they all knew each other very well. And I've, I felt like the odd man out. And it was, uh, I mean, they're all amazing folks. I love them all dearly. But I was the new guy, mm-hmm. even though I had... A position of power over at least half of them. I was the camera operator, and, and the, yeah. a lot of more assistants. And of course, my my DP was uh, above me. But the point is, is that they all had a, a rapport with each other that I didn't have with them, and it was it was interesting because uh, uh, I think we've all been there where we ended up with a crew that we didn't know, but they knew each other very well, and it, it it's. Uh, trying to think of how to eloquently put this. Um, no, I think I get what you're getting at. It's, It just takes a little time. Yeah, absolutely. You have to get to know everybody. They have to understand that you're, you know, you're down to be on their side. You're, right. You're cool to work with them and, and not the other way around. Yeah. Because I think some assistants expect you 
to come in and start pointing your finger a bunch and act like, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's a reasonable expectation, but I think some of them expect that, well, that kind of person. That's a good. Uh, that's a good thing. Is uh, many camera operators and even myself would consider our job to be kind of the uh, the focal point of production in a way, um, meaning uh, we're there to kind of guide the ship in a way. Now our our boss, the DP, is obviously our boss and should be guiding above us. But on set. They're often not there directly always, and so the camera. Well, you're you're talking about running a set, exactly. As an A operator, and 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 a lot of people don't realize that's a it's a big job. It's way bigger than just pointing a camera, right? I mean, uh, it's most of the job. Yeah. The the point in the camera part is why you do it. Right. That's the fun part. Right. Um, the running the set can be really fun too, but it's also like a big management position, but, uh, in, and not just among camera yeah, yeah. a bunch. You're managing the onset. You're managing absolutely uh, whoever. You're, you're, you're talking to you're, sound about their mics. You're and... chatting with direct directors. You're chatting with actors. You're chatting with uh, makeup about what you know. Like, do I see or wardrobe? Do I see their shoes? Hair, hair. Uh, I see a flyaway. I mean, there's so much going on, and that I think folks who, uh, especially myself, including myself, when I was a camera assistant, I had no idea how much. Uh, was falling on the camera operator, the A camera operator's shoulders about carrying the day. And uh, when when we step on a set, everybody, uh, they're not directly looking at us going, lead us. But, but they're waiting to hear from you. Yeah. They're, right. they're the, 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 what we do is how the day goes and uh, how we carry ourselves, how we talk to people, how we Literally everything we do that day mm-hmm. is how the day goes. It, what's really fun is when you're on a show that's – when you come to day play on a show that's been running for like three years. And as you an come a, in to do a camera oh, for a day yeah, or two. Yeah, right? Just did that last week. You don't week. know anybody's name. Yeah. And, yeah, so now you're just like, um, 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 um. You just snap your fingers all day. Yeah. Um, um, you're pulling your call sheet out like yep. – Oh, it's brutal. You might be, uh, you might be like me. I actually got the call sheet the night before on my email, and mm-hmm. I studied everybody's name. Yeah, but well, where everybody's different. But yeah. I'm, but I'm a name to face person. Yeah, sure. But so. I mean, literally, I was like, okay, this is my onset guy's name. This is. Uh, people don't realize how important the onset is, right? There are like one of the most important people on set. Our onset dresser might be the most important person to a camera operator. I mean. Uh, we had one I did uh, on Empire in Chicago. Yeah. This guy was unbelievable. We had so many stages. We had three pianos right. on our stages. We oh. had multiple upstairs, not because they were supposed to be upstairs, because they were out of space on stages. And we had like six or seven stages full time on the show. Right. That's how many sets there are. It's a very stage heavy show. And this guy would just move and move and move. And he had real stuff. A couple of the speakers were $80,000 per speaker. Wow. He said, I'll move these, Brad. Thanks for the help. Yeah. And he wouldn't let me move any. (laughs) No. He he wouldn't let me move anything heavy. Right. Because he said, I can't, we can't have you get hurt. But, you know, we would all help him. He's one guy. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Anyway, I I could go on about uh, onsets. Yeah. As we talk about that, (laughs) we should mention that that, uh, I'm sure your listeners probably know, but. Uh, onset dressers are usually just one person. There is almost never a second person. They might have, they might be lucky and have a another set dresser nearby, or a, a props person usually pitches in. But yeah, they're moving or a grip or a grip, or, right. But they're moving vast amounts of uh, furniture, pianos, like you mentioned, um, all kinds of things. Yeah. And the onset to a camera operator is kind of. I feel like I'm talking to them as much as I'm talking to just about anybody else on set. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they're super important to how our day goes. Wait, I have a question related to that, but I have to open this beer first. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay, so on that on that line, on that line of thinking, um, I, I had a DP, a great DP that I loved working with a few years back. They used to say to me, be greedy, Brad, be greedy, be more greedy. We should talk more about that. So come back, put a pin in that. But Why? Carry on. Why am I no, putting no, no. a pin in that? No, no, no. Just carry on. Okay. All right. Um, 
No, but in in when generally when he said it, what he meant was get the onset to move more stuff. Interesting. Okay, or so to, to, he... or to redress more stuff. Uh huh. Because I was always trying or to or to keep the lights out a little more. Right. You know, be greedy. Right. Just like everything you need, just give a little extra in case. Right. Which is great advice. Uh huh. Um, but I'm always of the thought like. I don't want to overwork the onset. Sure. I don't want to make them dr- dress like this bedroom set back in if I'm not going to see it. Mm-hmm. I, it seems unfair. I know it's part of the job. Sometimes they're going to dress stuff in that's right. not going to be seen. It's just the way it is. But I want to limit that as much as I can. And and I also don't want to make the electrics move the lights four times and the grips move the stands. and the They love fives. it when you do. Right. Well, so so it's that – so there's a fine line to walk, uh-huh. and I wonder what your line is regarding, you know, where okay. you draw the line. So it's different for every department. For an onset, I feel like um, they are in many ways, like I mentioned before, they're like my right-hand man. How, having said that, I do have – I am greedy. I have them move a lot of stuff. Um, and I don't just have them move stuff for me. It's interesting. Uh, I'll look around and I'm like, this isn't in my way, but it's absolutely going to be in the boom operator's way. Well, yeah. It's yeah. absolutely going to be in somebody else's way or my dolly grip's way. And so I'm, I'm, I'll have them move stuff uh, even if I know that it absolutely will not be in my way. But it will hinder production. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's one of those things where you're like, let's do it now. Let's get it out of the way. It's not going to be a problem. But uh, where I was going with the put a pin in it is um, – being greedy between the two cameras and mm. and uh, who – okay, so I, I mostly work in television. I do some feature work. But uh, there's often two, maybe even three cameras going at any given time. And uh, I'm going to slightly take this in a left turn away from set dressers. Go ahead. But, that's uh, fine. Yeah, yeah. But uh, as you know, and your listeners may or may not know uh, – the A, B, maybe even C cameras often want to be in the same exact spot. They want to be uh, – they're, they're colliding uh, in physically and in, in, in every other way. Either, either colliding physically or seeing each other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Right? Um, depending on what kind of coverage you're doing, whether right. you're doing uh, directional or, or cross-covering. Um, but uh, the, the – the point I'm trying to make, I think, is, is that every camera, I think, should try and do the best they can. And what happens in that case is they often uh, run into each other. Mm-hmm. They're colliding, in, in, like I said, in every, in every way. And um, that's when you have to sit there and, and, be, and, and evaluate in, uh, in your side, in, in your side, words. Uh, words are hard. Yeah, words words are super hard right now. Uh, you have to sit there and evaluate. Uh, have another beer. Yeah, right. Um, whose shot is more important? What? Sure. Like the A camera shot could literally be the least important shot. Sure. Of the three cameras going. Uh huh. And do you do you take that on yourself to decide which one is, is matters the most at the time? Yeah. So te- hopefully. So you'll be like. Hopefully, your A camera operator, whether it's me or somebody else recognizes that their shot is not the most important at all times. Right. And they can give a little to let this person get that perfect over exactly. that they need. Right. Um, and <clears throat> when but you've experienced otherwise, no? Oh, yeah. Everybody has. I'm sure you have as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to focus on the, the good right now is when, when somebody for you. when somebody <laughs> when another camera operator recognizes we have an optimist here. yeah right <laughs> well we we've all had the bad stories where somebody's just not going to give right yeah and yeah. Uh, and that's you know yeah neither here nor there but uh, I'm going to go back to my relationship with like Rich Davis where we we sit there and we'll sit there and talk about the shot and then we'll realize both of us will come to the conclusion that. Hey, well, your shot is actually more important here. I'm going to back off and allow that shot to to take over. And that doesn't mean abandon your shot. It just means that you're not going to have the best eye line. You're not going to have the framing you want. There's going to be something that you're not going to love about the shot. And that's the way it goes. You, you know, when you're dealing with multiple multiple cameras, yeah. you, you have to – there's always give and take. Yeah, do you look at that as uh, if only then it would be better? Or do you look at it as – 
I have the best shot that I can get in this situation. Because to be honest, I think I'm the latter, and I think you're the optimist of the two. <laughs> well, and I, I think that's the optimistic uh, viewpoint. I told a camera operator a couple of years ago on a TV show. He was genuinely – I seemed genuinely surprised. Uh, um, we did not get along great. And uh, he's, I'm sorry. <laughs> I said I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's not. It wasn't you. Uh, he, he seemed genuinely surprised one day when I declared that I didn't like my shot. And he's like, well, why don't you like your shot? And I said, well, you know, there's, you know, I'm just, I'm not happy. It's, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, our compromise is not, is not making me happy. Mm-hmm. And I said, I said something along the lines of, and I'm trying to remember. Wait, I, wait, wait. You had compromised for him. Correct. For the second camera. To help his shot. Yeah. yeah. Right. And you weren't unhappy. Yeah, I was not thrilled. And so you were kind of bitching out loud. Uh, maybe. I can't remember how it all went just down. But general I, but Josh he see- whining. Yes. That. <laughs> he sound, He was surprised when I said I, there's pretty much not a day that goes by that I don't hate a shot. And that's the truth. Right. I there's If I was doing single camera, I feel like I would love every single shot I do or at least I would – well, you would hope you would be I'll bend it to whatever I'm trying to do. Sure, but with a second camera or a third camera, there's going to be many multiple instances during the day when you're not in love with your shot. And I think, <clears throat> excuse me, this reminds me that not everybody that might hear this knows that a lot of times, especially on TV, camera operators set their shots. I mean, features too, but and it again depends on every job and blah blah blah. But mm. You have a lot to do with how your shot looks, and especially the – especially – that's all right. <coughs> Sorry. Josh needs a beer. Here, yeah, here right? take a beer. Okay. <laughs> There's one right in front of you. Yeah. Um, no, but people don't know that with the exception of, of kind of broad ideas a lot of times – you're in charge of the of the shot that goes on the screen, whatever yeah. size that screen might be. So t- typically in camera or in uh, TV, rather, um, we're kind of expected to create our shots. And, of course, we are absolutely discussing this with directors and DPs. But sometimes we're just making up stuff on our own. And uh, But it kind of starts with the director going, okay, let's see this. And blah, Sometimes. Blah, blah. Sometimes right. the director doesn't have any idea what they want. Right. My point was going to be a lot of times the director will say like, oh, I think we should have this and this. Mm-hmm. And they give you general ideas, some more specific, some less specific. Sometimes the DP comes and fills in the details. Sometimes they have their own ideas. Sometimes they tell you the opposite of the director. Right. Sometimes they're not. not and even... every time you have to interpret all of this information right. and figure out what where to put the camera. Right. And sometimes they're, as you just alluded to, diametrically opposed, the director and the DP. Yeah. Uh, we've certainly all been there. Okay, wait. Have you have you ever had a moment where you had to tell them to speak to each other? Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. I want to hear it. Oh, we're know. we're we're probably close to. I don't know how long we've been going. We're probably we're probably pretty close to the end. But but tell me tell me that, and then I have one or two little small okay. questions. So there was a feature where the director and the DP were just not getting along, and uh, from they, day one, pretty much from okay. day one, yeah, and uh, they. Didn't see eye to eye. They weren't talking. And I was often stuck between the two of them. And, uh, you know, as we've all been there. Was it a was it a one's whispering in one ear and the other's in the other kind of thing or one's? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And, uh, as and different things in each ear. Oh, yeah. Totally, <laughs> totally different. Two radically different ideas. Right. And it – it depends on your relationship with that DP or that director. Like, you, like it could be either one of them. You might, you, you, as I've said before, you kind of like sit there and say, "Well, who's going to hire me next?" And it's usually the DP, right? It's not usually the director, but sometimes it could be the director. Um, and yeah, you you sit there and at some point you just say, "Look, you guys got to talk because uh, clearly, clearly, uh, your your two ideas are are diametrically opposed." And even worse, if you have an opinion on this, then suddenly you've got a third idea, and you know, God knows the producers got their ideas. Suddenly you got four ideas floating around, and uh, you know that's something interesting that I don't think we can get into. But I mean, obviously, the idea of having two different ideas and your and you know this 
person wants you to do this and this person wants you to do this and they won't speak to each other. Right. And those are different things. That's a tough thing. <clears throat> but the idea of trying to add your own ideas mm-hmm. into a situation like this, um, I'm just curious because – I, I don't think we can get too much into it, but but like I've I've tried to do that before, and it can be disastrous. Absolutely, but you'd also have to be a pretty lousy com- camera operator to not have an idea, right? Sure. Um, and that becomes more of a judgment call as to whether you sit there and say. So, are you lousier for not having idea, or lousier for saying your idea when you know it's a bad time? Right. Uh, <laughs> I think you're. When you lou- know you should shut I up. I think you're lousy if you don't have any ideas. I agree. I agree. And then, of course, uh, there's when oftentimes when the director and the DP have two different ideas, my my idea becomes almost a moot point. I don't yeah. e- I don't even bring it up because it comes with age and experience. Sure. You you learn when to when to shut your trap, yeah. right? Tense situation, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't understand why it's so tense all the time on sets. It's not. It, I'm a serious guy uh, <laughs> in general. All right. I I like to laugh and stuff, but I don't know. My demeanor is kind of serious. But but I'd rather have a nice time and enjoy everybody's company. I, I I'm sure you're the same way. Absolutely. That's why actually uh, I've been lucky enough to be working in half hour comedy for the last couple of years. It's a little lighter. It's a lot. I've been lighter. doing a lot of. Drama. It's a lot lighter than one hour. Uh, in let's face it, and the hours are better. Yeah, they're far more conducive to having a real life. For yeah. sure. The hours are something we'll have to talk about another time. Yeah. But in the meantime, I have to ask you a couple of que- like okay. little questions. What's your favorite Steadicam Blue. shot? Oh, crap. <laughs> What's my favorite Steadicam <laughs> shot? So is it the one from Contact? It's a pretty amazing much? shot. I'm not sure that's my favorite. Actually, I, prob- and I, I'm embarrassed I have- to say that I can't think of it right now. Uh-huh. I've heard of it plenty of times. No, and I've seen the movie, but it's been 20 yeah. years. I know. think maybe the Kill Bill shot. Was was yeah, the one up the thing yeah, into yeah. the bathroom exactly. on the lift. You oh, oh, when he steps on and off the crane like the three little... times or something like that. Well, not only that, but he had that little butt lift that was it was like a dolly attached to the ceiling with ropes on it uh, that probably. he sat on to get over. The I don't thing. know technically how he did it because well, Larry posted on the Steadicam forum yeah. a very detailed account of how he oh, did, did he? it. Did you ever read that? No, I never did. But oh, it's an should. amazing show. Every everyone should yeah. read that. Interesting. He talked about using the fake blood. Uh-huh. It's like stick him for his shoes because his shoes were very slippery there, mm. and he would step in the fake blood before oh, doing yeah. shots Sli- there. Oh, interesting. Well, fake blood is very sticky. It's we all know. Very sticky, yeah. But he was using, he was actually using it for that, and then and then they had to move the wall out of the way to move the crane in, which he's very good at. I mean, as we've seen in other shots that he's done, he's very good at uh, floating walls out. Who? Um, Larry McConkie. He did that in. Um, oh, what was that? Uh, the 3D thing that he did that was. Uh, Hugo. Hugo. He, oh really? They, flo- oh, I never they saw floated. It. They floated walls out on that shot, and I saw a little behind the scenes. It's amazing. Cool. I wish I had that kind of resources that he has. Um, it's kind of fun to watch. Well, it's the movie he's on. Yeah, absolutely. He's got. He, he's a excellent. Yeah, um, with, without a doubt. Of course. And B, he's got uh, uh, almost. I don't want to. I don't want to speak for him, but he's got a lot of resources. He's you know days to prep for these shots. Yeah, but part of that is what. What movie are you on? Sure. Well, you know, and it's not his. I come resource. from. I come from mostly TV slash lower budgeted feature world where we don't. No, have, I get. I get it. Yeah. I get it. But you get my point. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's not about him. Per se, I don't know for sure, but I. It's more about he's on a big big movie. Sure. And the and more importantly, the people that he's working for. Trust him, right? They trust him, and they're uh, like, like I said, they give him. I don't want to say infinite resources, but I mean, certainly the idea of pulling a wall and then floating it back in would never. I did a job that did that one. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Commercial, yeah. But uh, I think I remember. No, that was a music video you did that was amazing. Which movie? The the music video. Uh, I don't remember what it was, but it, there was like several different sets that were all going on at the same time. It was amazing. Oh, the oneer. Yeah. Oh god! <laughs> you, no, well, the, with the two sets of twins. We should talk about that some other time. But it's an amazing video. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Oh, that means so much to I me. I was super. Uh, you know, I put the artist one. in my rig afterwards. Uh huh. 
Because he goes, man, you look tired. We did like, <laughs> you look tired. We did like, and this guy's an unbelievable yeah. guitar player, yeah. and he's doing a what is it, Al Green? Anyway, the, <laughs> like this really cool music video. He's a Louisiana guy, yeah. super nice guy. And at the very end, like twenty-seven takes later, I'm like, yeah, I'm wrecked. Oh yeah. And he goes, man, you look tired. It doesn't look that heavy. And I was like, come here. Yeah. <laughs> Try just, this on. I just pointed his finger at him and just went, come here. Guess and he again. put it on. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> that was so, – so, so you think Kill Bill. I mean, that's the one shot that really comes to mind because it's amazing, right? It's so good. It comes up and over walls and through sets and it's just – it's a lot of fun. For a complicated shot, that's probably – I mean, that's certainly – if not at the top of my list, super close. Yeah. For a basic shot, uh-huh. Larry again, uh-huh. the Copacabana shot. Oh, sure. Everybody loves a shot, but and the more I, I go don't back think, to it, the I more I, I appreciate it. I don't even know call that basic. It's so – it feels complicated because of the timing of everybody. And That's, that's some, true. And that's something that we – that I think viewers would take for granted, but for us, the, the timing of every single person that walks in – and out is is kind of a big deal. I mean, they have to come in at exactly at the right time, and yeah, and that's not easy to do, other than basically doing it. I I totally agree. I think at the time it's much harder uh-huh. because it was so new at the mm-hmm. time that you know nowadays with when I talk to background or you talk to background, you say go there, go there, do this or do that. Right. They just do it, and they know what Steadicam is. Right. And even nowadays, some of them are like, what is that? How much is that weigh? Right. You know, and they're like freaked out, like wide-eyed and weird. But back then, they must have just been like, what yeah. the hell? That, you know, like, that you kind know? of shot was not done before. Right. right? I mean, that, that's right. true. That, that. And okay, he starts on a lot of – well, doesn't quite start, but he crosses the street into stairs, mm-hmm. um, which – Obviously, we all love doing stairs. Oh, yeah. Stairs are my the favorite. Best thing ever. <laughs> At least he's going down. Who doesn't love stairs? But I'm not sure if I, I, if what I hate more, up or down, because they both have. Uh... Oh, my favorite's definitely backing upstairs. Oh, see, oh, I, yeah. I don't even do it back Especially I, when I don't know how many I don't even do are. that. I have to don't want it. That was a, that was a joke. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know some people do. Uh, or I, I've heard no, of No, I back upstairs. You do? I just hate it. You So you actually walk. Up. You think I'm capable of Don Juaning? Oh, I don't know. I can't. I can't do it any other way. I have to. I Don can't Juan. Don Juan, man. <laughs> are you crazy? I can't do it any other way. I can't back upstairs. That's terrible. Oh, it's it's kind of brutal. But okay, so almost done. Your favorite movie? Ooh, we're talking about movies. You don't. You Ooh. know. You just give me a. Give me. You can give me a couple. I get a lot to. of hate for this one. But but but. Okay, wait. I want to hear the hate one. Uh-huh. But also, we can tinge this with the idea that, you know, a Steadicam kind of movie. Oh, this wasn't that. Okay, but so give me the hate one. Oh, uh, everybody hates that I love The Fountain. I think it's... Oh, The Fountain. Yeah. I like The Fountain. Do you? I do. Some people really hate that movie. And, uh, and I, I've, I've, I've encountered a lot of resistance to this Because of the movie. space... Weird. Uh, no, I think it's a little. Pe- I think what people hate about the movie is there's no answer to the movie. It's kind of a mm, open ended question yeah. at the end of it. Um, that's personally why I love the movie. I think it's an, an amazing piece of film. As far as Steadicam goes, I might have to go back to Kill Bill and just I'll punt back to that one. That's a pretty good punt. Yeah, there's uh, there, not just that shot, but there's also some just excellent work in that movie. And, and Larry is obviously, you know, realizing. I, I want to say the best, but I don't even think that's a stretch. He's the best. Yeah. Yeah, he's unbelievable. Right. I mean, if if you if you look at his if you look at his history of right. the shots. He's well, if done, you look at all the Steadicam shots I've ever. I mean, done, Garrett. Yeah. No, Garrett's done on. some great work, and uh, you know, Ted done some so great many. Work. Well, there's a there are a lot of guys. Yeah. Yeah. Who, but, who, who, but if you, you mention, and I are not these guys, yeah, but no, but if <laughs> you aspire. mention, if you mention amazing steady cam shot and then you mention like, like, uh, it seems like it's always Larry's work that you talk about, yeah, a lot of times, no, and Pete, you know, 
people love to find. You his should be happy. You should shots. have him on the show, not me. <laughs> uh, I'll speak to him. Fly him in from New York. I'm sure he'll do it. Actually, I may. I'll probably end up going to New York at some point. Yeah. And talking to some people. It'd be fun to do him. Um, that's a weird comment mm-hmm. to make. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nope. <laughs> It'd be fun to do him, huh, Josh? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, all right, well, I got your favorite movie. Anyway, uh, I think that's, we've gone quite, quite enough, right? So, <laughs> we've been blabbing along. Wait a minute, I get uh, to ask you one question. Okay, go ahead. Oh, God, are you going to pick off that sheet? Uh-huh. Put your glasses on, old yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> are you're just going to pick one oh, You didn't get my... anywhere into these, are you? No, I didn't. I told you we had a nice conversation without the questions. These are all backup questions in case you were a total bud. What's your worst day of Steadicam? That's that's a poorly formed question. Uh, Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) I wrote it. Uh, Well, you know what? We were talking about it earlier. Mm -hmm. It's actually not my worst day. I can't think of my worst day. My my roughest day Mm -hmm. was that job I was talking about to you earlier. Which one? The capital, the capital oh, one right. commercial thing. The eight minute or whatever long thing. It was, I think, eight or nine minutes long. Right. Once it was done, we shot it all. But in you one said it was day. like nineteen hours or something. Like nineteen that. hours in the rig. <sighs> wow. Not counting lunch or driving. Yeah, it that's, was br- that's. They begged me to stay in a hotel. Uh huh. But I didn't know the day. As a matter of fact, the DP told me they probably won't use Steadicam at all. <laughs> you went from probably not at all to 19 hours in the rig. And it, and it literally did everything on Steadicam. Wow. Of course, we shot it with BNC too. Right. But like we did every shot on Steadicam. It was the main camera for every shot. Right. For your listeners involved. Including the swimming. That's not a joke. But go on. <laughs> uh, for your listeners who don't know what steady or, or maybe not know what Steadicam can weigh, it's it's sixty to seventy five pounds on your body, and uh, it definitely it, it's it's uh, exhausting. The idea that someone that doesn't know what Steadicam is is listening to this. Well, you maybe never it makes know. me happy. I don't M- know. Maybe, maybe they know what Steadicam is. Maybe but it's they a film student, but they don't know exactly what what it can. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Fair like enough. I've had directors that don't know how much it weighs. Good point. And uh, you know. It, I think at one point I remember doing this movie and uh, – no, sorry, a pilot. And I there was a, like an industrial scale near us. And I took everything off. I weighed myself and I put everything on. Mm. It was 81 pounds. And that was mm. vest, arm, sled. What kind of camera was that? It was an Alexa, believe it or not. Right. But it yeah, was I believe a, it. It was an Alexa with a ring light and some other – I mean and not just a kind of small ring light. This thing was huge. And some other stuff. And uh, Alexas are heavy. Yeah, and Alexas are heavy. Uh, they're you know, they're great cameras, yeah, but they're yeah. they're they but, weigh. Uh, what was interesting to me is I had no idea it was eighty one pounds on my body, and and that's that's a that's not an instant. In, and what do you weigh? One seventy five. You're so kind. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm down to one eighty five. Don't worry, I was just guessing based on your height. Yeah, no, I, I've I've <laughs> been uh, I've been as much as two hundred five. I oh, I've okay. lost some weight recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, <laughs> should we wrap this thing up? I think. I've asked you as many questions as I want to hear the answer to. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and three more, I'm sure. <laughs> so cheers to you, my friend. Cheers. Um, thanks for doing it. Yeah. It's been really fun. Thanks for having me along. Thanks again to Josh Harrison. I really enjoyed our conversation. I hope you enjoyed listening. Stay tuned. In the coming weeks, we'll have more conversations with a host of other Steadicam operators. And I think they're great. I hope you will, too. If you have any questions or comments, you can email walkingbackwardspodcast at gmail.com.